Hello everybody and welcome to this brand new episode. Uh, we made it to episode 11. We're going to do things differently by introducing the co-host before the host. I'm CJ. And I am Chucky and last week we had an interesting episode. Last week we talked about... Hocus Pocus. It was a little jumbled because we had the Kitty Cat Olympics last week. <laughs> Which we actually recorded it outside last week. Yes. So, what are your thoughts and opinions on what we talked about last week? I enjoyed it. It Do was fun. I like Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I think we did pretty well last week. Um, it was a nostalgic episode. Which is a good way to start off the Halloween season. Today is Labor Day. And we're going on a, another nostalgic trip down memory lane. Nightmare Before Christmas. And Nightmare Before Christmas is a movie that I have shown to dozens of people. So we're going to talk about our first impressions of it. Um, the lasting impression. I kind of... The boom that it's had over the last five years. Cool beans. So, Nightmare Before Christmas was released by Disney, but it was actually released by the exact same company that released Hocus Pocus, Touchstone Pictures. Wow. Which, I don't even know if Touchstone Pictures still exists anymore, but it was released in 1993, in October of 93, and there's always this been de this debate... Well, is it a Christmas movie, or is it a Halloween movie? It's both. Exactly. It's actually an Easter movie. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> the Easter Bunny does make an appearance. I call it... It can be either or. You can watch it for Christmas, or you can watch it for Halloween. But it's just like... I don't know, I watch it all year long. It's one of those just classic movies that really holds up. Yes. And what's funny is... Uh, he's voiced by Danny Elfman, and Danny Elfman is normally a composer known for the... He did the theme for Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies. He created the Simpsons theme song, among other things. But to me, it's a very well-done kids' movie. I agree. <laughs> I'll try to get your input on what you... Oh, I was like, I never watched it while I was a kid. My parents thought it was a horrible movie, and I didn't start watching it till five years ago when I met you. So it doesn't have the same nostalgic feeling as your childhood, but I still like the movie. So to explain your thoughts and feelings on why... You hold Nightmare love Before story. Christmas so happy. It's a love story between Jack and Sally, and you don't get that until towards the end, but there's nuances of the love that they share throughout the whole movie. It's more Sally than Jack until Jack finally opens up his eyes at the end and says what he had all along was all that he needed, and he finally realized that he... The only person that ever stood by his side, no matter how stupid he was, was Sally. It's a love story. 
I like love stories. It's a creepy one. It is a creepy one. I like creepy, and I like love stories. So we'll go back to when people first saw it. I, It's a lot like Hocus Pocus. The first time I saw it was in theaters. I saw it at the theater that was over by the Everett Mall. It was not in the mall. It was next to it. Next door is the Discovery Zone. And as bad as this makes my parents sound, they didn't take me to the theater. They gave a six-year-old money, six or seven-year-old money, to walk from where I lived through the city trail to the movie theater to go see it. Hmm. And I went by myself. And Interesting. I went and saw it by myself. The people at the theater didn't think anything of it because back then, in 93, people really didn't care about kids being out by themselves or anything. It wasn't a big deal. So I saw it at the movie theater. And I remember I loved the movie. And after I was done, I went to KB Toys and bought myself a Jack Skellington Bendham. Back when, uh, it's, it's just ironic because all the Bendhams had like wires going through them to make huh. them move. And the way that they made characters to make the film was little bendy type figures to make them move because the whole thing stopped motion animation. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, which is why it took them six years to make it. It's a very hard thing to do, stop motion animation. I tried to do it when I was in high school. It took me forever. And I was trying to make a movie. I ended up making a trailer. Because <laughs> it took a lot of time. Trying to make the clay move just right. And then having to take pictures and then putting it all on the thing together. It was crazy. But I do want to come out and say that it's something that kind of needs to be addressed that most people don't realize it says Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas but it's not a Tim Burton movie Tim Burton didn't direct it he didn't do the stop motion animation he did not write the script he put the he gave the people money to do this project because at the time he was doing Batman Batman Returns uh, Edward Scissorhands Beetlejuice. So he had nothing to do with it, no, but supplying he, he, them with the money to... He wrote a poem before he did um, Is it the poem of Jack and Sally? Or? Yeah. It's the poem of Jack and Sally. I have the... I love that poem. I have the book. I bought her the book one year for Christmas um, off Amazon. But Tim Burton's not the driving force. There, If you have the Blu-ray or the DVD, there is a six-hour documentary that goes through how hard it was for them to do it. And the funny thing is the person that was the hardest for them to animate is not who everybody would think. Because they would think that it would be people that had more, like, facial inspections. I it was, bet it was Jack. It was Jack. Yeah. Because his face is so simple. The design that in order for it to do different faces, they had to mold, I think he had 27 heads. So every time it was a different line in the song, they'd have to switch the heads. Yeah, like I said, it takes forever. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. For it to look so smooth, 
about speaking, you know? And people have tried to recreate it. Like, Tim Burton had more to do with Corpse's Bride, and he tried to... I didn't like that one as much. He tried to do it again, but the problem is just... I think Nightmare Before Christmas was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing that will never be duplicated. Because that was such a great movie. And the other thing I like about it is, throughout the whole movie, you have references to every, every genre of horror. Yes. There's the supernatural, there's slasher films, because there's the butcher who's supposed to be an homage to, like, Jason and Leatherface. You have the gill man, you have the vampires, you have the clown with the tearaway face, you have the boogeyman... You have the snakes from Beetlejuice are in there repeatedly. There's everything that you think of when you think of horror films. They even uh, reference the I Trench the 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 Bog Creek behind the lake, which is a title to a horror film. They talk about the pumpkin patch, which is a reference to a lot of universal horror films. They had the Gill Man in there or whatever. Yeah, you have um, Dr. Finkelstein as Frankenstein. And Jack's house looks like um, a mix between Castle Dracula and the Bates house. Yeah. And there's just so much in there that fully references everything horror. But they do it in such a kid way. That And you got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as the mayor. Mm. And you got the werewolf in there. Which is pretty cool. And you got like the Children of the Corn-esque thing. With a uh, lock... Is it a lock? Shock and barrel or lock, stock and barrel. The, the three kids. Mm-hmm. See, you get, you get a little bit of everything. But... It's weird because it's not set in a time period. And I love when movies do that because that way you could always watch it and it's not going to scream, oh, this was made in the 90s or this was made in the 80s. Because if you watch the movie, you really can't tell what decade it's actually from because it references so much other material. Correct. So who are... We'll talk about the story in a minute. Most people have probably seen the movie, but who are like some of your some of your favorite characters without mentioning Jack, Sally, or Oogie Boogie? Because we'll take those aside because they're the three main. Because to me, there is like these other cool characters that just hmm. pop up. Well, now you took away mine. You took away mine, dude. What about the duck? It's not a character, it's a toy. They consider the, the the duck and the vampire bat are considered characters because they're not dead, they're living, they move around. Well then, why didn't you consider the wreath and the snake? Because to me they weren't as interesting as... But they're still alive and moving around. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, my two favorites are... Yes, most people's are the bat and the duck. Mine is zero. Well, no. I'm yeah. talking about the gifts. The gifts? My I've... creepy... The creepy head one. 
Oh, where the kid pulls. What did Santa Claus bring you? It's the head of the thing, but like my favorite characters. I don't know. I like the werewolf. Like, because the whole scene with the mayor on top of the 364. car. 364. Yeah, 364 and he's, the, and he's the first one to say, what's this when the snow comes down at the end? What's this? Yes. My favorite... My two favorite characters in there, when you pull aside the original three, is, is Zero and the Butcher. Because that one line is so iconic to Bunny. me. Bunny! Uh, yeah, of just... But I always thought that had a reference to uh, Mice and Men. It is. That that whole bunny thing. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. mice and it's a mice and men reference, but also when they talk about Santa Claus, huge and red, they pull on his tongue, and it's giant red, and it slides back in. He he he's a character. He reminds me of like Uncle Fester. He's like a background character, but there's so much personality like in that character that it just comes off the screen. The other one would be um, the band. Yeah. Where there's a tick hat, but there's like a mummified dummy guy inside of the guitar. And you only see it in one scene that there's a mummified guy in the guitar. I've never noticed. It's uh, when they're learning Jingle Bells in there. <laughs> yeah, I've never noticed. Uh, what well, that was the I devil popped out of one scene and one scene only. Hmm. When they're in the town hall. Oh, I was going to say something, and now it's gone. Oh, well, keep going. So we talked about the characters, so... Oh, this is gonna... Pick all my brain all night. I had something I was gonna say. I'll let you summarize the story. Why me? Because I cut you off and you didn't hear... You lost your thoughts, so we'll let you... Just summarize, like, what the story is. The story is that Jack wants to do something different, right? Like, that's the big thing. Like, he feels like he should be doing something more than what he's always done. What he doesn't know is by doing that, he's going to destroy somebody else's holiday. So, yeah. So he's, he goes into the woods looking for something, and I guess he's sleepwalking? I don't know. Because he, like, wakes up, and he's like, oh, the sun's out. And then he see that was a weird voice. <laughs> and he sees, like, the, the holiday trees, I guess you could call them, the trees of the holidays. Yeah. And he goes into the Christmas world, and... When he come, he goes through the Christmas world trying to figure out what's all this new stuff he's never seen before, because all he's ever seen is Halloween. And it's magical for him to see all this joy and happiness. So when he comes back, he's trying to describe it to everybody, and they just don't get it. Because you have to, you you have to see it to believe it, which is one of the lines on one of the songs that he sings. Yes. And so he's trying to explain it, and everybody's like, Is there something creepy inside the boxes? Like, 
what I don't understand and then Jack makes everything about Christmas sound very creepy instead of Santa Claus it's like Sandy Claus it's very creepy Did you see the Batman reference in it yes and then um and so he takes over Christmas and like they the people the actual people in the story tried to kill him cause they're you're an imposter. They're scared of what they don't know. Yeah. And so he ends up going back to the town and saving Santa Claus so he could save the Christmas. And then finally realizing what he had all the time was what he always needed. And he took for granted. So it was him finally opening up his eyes saying, wow, what I had wasn't what wasn't all that bad that I thought it was. And he found the love of his life. And Dr. Finkelstein found the love of his. It's kind of a... It's a love story. I also look at it in the beginning. He has a really dark outlook on life. But by him going to Christmas Town, going into the real world, and basically getting shot down and surviving... He has a new outlook on life because he survived. And it opened up his eyes to the way things really are. Yes. But it's cool because you have... You have a good... You have two character arcs that both start at the same time. And they both start to realize they don't know what they're looking for at exactly the same time. And that's Jack and Sally in the cemetery at the same time. And neither one of them knows exactly what they want yet. And it comes to fruition at the end of the movie. And you even have like... They even created a classic villain. Because people still remember... Boogie Boogie. Who all he is... Is like a bunch of bugs... Forming like a body... But inside of a potato sack. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of cool. For that... For a character that that is only truly in the movie... For maybe... Seven, eight minutes... To be that iconic. It was so iconic that in the 2000s they released two Nightmare Before Christmas video games. That is her sequel to the original movie. Where Oogie Boogie gets resurrected. And now because he died and came back, he's now green. Huh. And then they really, now they have a comic book series that is going on that also tells a story of what happened and it goes into detail of what would happen if Jack went also went through the other doors. So they continue what's going on because Nightmare Before Christmas I never thought I didn't think Nightmare Before Christmas would get the cult status that it has because it didn't do well when it first came out. So there was a bunch of people that saw it when they were kids and they remembered. And then every October when it was on TV they watched it. Or they rented it from the video store. Because you could only rent Nightmare Before Christmas during October or Christmas. And then they pull it off the shelves. At Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and all that. Oh, that's a time capsule. Yes, that is a time capsule. But then, as the years went by, it got more popularity. Got more popularity. And then you have people like me that are showing it to friends, nieces, nephews. I showed it to you. I showed it to my mom. My mom ended up loving it. She thought it was a good movie, too. 
My niece, Nevaeh, loves that movie as much as I do. It's because she wants to be just like Uncle Chucky. And then, five or six years ago, this boom happened. Where out of nowhere, all this merchandise just started appearing. Whether it's, um... There's mugs, shirts, Halloween costumes. There's no way you can't go to the mall... And, and see Nightmare Before Christmas anywhere. It's even at Walmart. Yes. I do like Nightmare Before Christmas. The weird thing is, if you want the original toys that Cost are from the 90s, like a million bucks. They're over $100 for any of them. Nothing's cheap. Even the, um, the watches that I used to have, because I remember when the movie came out, the person that sponsored and endorsed it. You would think it would be McDonald's, right? Nope. It was Burger King. Damn right, Burger King's a bust. Because you would go to Burger King, and if you ordered a kid's meal, you got a free watch. And I had the watch that had um, the Jack and the Pumpkin Hill. And it's even got to the point where a lot of people are uh, uh, looking at Nightmare Before Christmas for wedding stuff. Really, <laughs> which we are included in that, but there there have been more Nightmare for Christmas weddings over the past couple of years. Uh, there was a long period of time where people did not realize it was like almost like a romantic movie. It is, especially I that know. poem, which I can't look it up because I'm using my phone to record on. But it's such an awesome poem. I so want it to be somewhere in our. Wedding somewhere because it's just, it's like two lost souls finally found their love, even though that they're both dead. Yeah, it's like even in the afterlife, they could find true love, like, it's amazing. You, you know, when the, the moment is that I knew that um, Nightmare for Christmas became a big deal, it's when, when? I was listening to a Blink 182 song. And they have that song, I Miss You. And there's a line in the song that says, Just like Jack and Sally, we'll have Halloween on Christmas. Yes, I love that. That was. I think that's going to be in our, our wedding song or something, right? Or if that's what we're walking down the aisle to. So it's... I love that song. It's became like this big phenomenon. Even to the point where when they, when they did the Kingdom Hearts games... Uh, Jack is in there. He's in all the Kingdom Hearts games. Now? Yeah, in all of them. They, they made him a character that you come across and you actually go to Halloween Town. And in the mobile game that Disney released, Jack and Sally are characters that you can get. It's, it's become this big, almost moneymaker. Because even at the Disney store... They have all their stuffed animals, and always during Halloween and Christmas time, there's always merchandise that I always want, but I never never <laughs> I, get. I never get because I always I've always wanted an oogie boogie something, and I don't have anything, and I've never owned anything that's like a toy, a stuffed animal, anything that had him I want, on it. I think I want to get that one that we saw, I think, at, uh... What's that, Target? 
Was it at Target? The big, huge thing of Oogie Boogie, and it's a, a piggy bank? Yeah, it was at the South Hill Mall. Oh my gosh, I want to go for that. It was over there. So I've had Jack merchandise. I've had Sally stuff. Uh, I used to have a Zero pillow that had Zero on it. I used to have um, the three kids came in a three-pack of action figures, and I had them. Oh, yeah. So I've always been about Nightmare Before Christmas, and one of, a couple of my friendships actually became, we became friends because of our love of Nightmare Before Christmas, and now it's been oh, almost 30 years. It's getting closer and closer to 30 years since this movie got released to theaters, and then ever since then it's just... The movie keeps growing, and I think its legacy is really, really strong. And even the songs, there's like, there's not, there's only one song that I don't like, and it's the uh, song where he's in the cemetery after he got shot. The like, <laughs> woe is me song. Mm-hmm. Like, so what the hell, I tried my best. I like that song. It's like, you failed, he tried his best, let's go fix it now. Did you know there was also a album where you had people like uh, Panic at the Disco, Evanescence, and like Marilyn Manson covered all the songs from the movie, and Sally's song oh. is actually sung by Amy Lee of mm. Evanescence that she does. But like this is Halloween has become like the quintessential <laughs> Halloween song for people from like our generation. They look they look at this as Halloween like our parents looked at Monster Mash. This is like that's like one of our I songs. I guess so. But my favorite song in the whole movie is called Jack's Lament is the name of the song. And it's the one where he's he's inside the tower and the reason I like it is because it reminds me of how the Grinch stole Christmas. He's trying to figure out what makes Halloween Halloween what makes Christmas Christmas. Just like the Grinch was always trying to figure out what makes Christmas Christmas. But Jack is trying to use the scientific method and he's trying to use What does this mean? What does this mean? Yeah, like cutting open a teddy bear and looking at the stuffing through a microscope and like reading all these books. And he's really trying to, to think about it and then he figures out that Christmas... It's not something that you find. Something you feel. It's something you feel inside, which is why he figures, well, if they can do it, why can't I? Because it's a magical thing that only... Like, only Santa can actually make it happen. If, but And Jack doesn't see the way it has to go, so he doesn't get it. Yes. He thinks he gets it. But he doesn't. I agree. And then Sally's like the most creative person like in there. Because she's always like mixing potions like maybe she was like a witch before she died. Or an alchemist. Mm-hmm. Even though I know she's supposed to be Frankenstein. The bride of Frankenstein or whatever. Just all sewed up. So I think she's a very interesting character as well. There's not really a bunch of weak characters maybe um maybe the witches 
Maybe. Because they're, they're like almost like the peanut gallery, them and the uh, Dracula. The vampires. Yeah, the, the vampires. But it's weird, if you have different versions of the movie, there's different lines of dialogue. Certain lines of dialogue have been pulled from different movies. So it just, it depends which one. The thing that was interesting to me that you didn't even know about until I brought it to your attention, that Zero's nose is a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. And not just, it's not just lit up, it's actually a jack-o'-lantern on the end of his nose, which I thought was a different touch. It is. Somebody has, some people have made the joke that, uh, that, that that's actually, that's actually Pluto. Pluto? Yeah. Like Mickey's dog? Yeah, that's Mickey's dog that died. Oh, I would have thought it was like... Frankenweenie? Or Rudolph or something. Well, I was going with Frankenweenie because that was a previous Tim Burton. I don't know. There's a lot of theories people put into it. Like who was Jack before he died. And... There's a lot of cool stuff in there and it... What do you think its legacy is going to be? What? The legacy of the film. Like, say, 20 years from now. Do you think people are still going to view it the same way they do now? Yeah. Or is it going to be, like, as much of a classic as, say, Snow White? Probably. There's enough of us freaks out there. Yeah, and there's enough of... (laughs) our generation that still loves and adores this movie. Yeah. I think there's enough of us freaky people out there that we're still going to show it to the people we love over and over and over again. And that's going to be passed down to the generations. They're going to remember, well, mom and dad showed me this. I'm going to show it to my kids when I'm older. And then so on and so forth. Just like Wizard of Oz and all the other ones that have been passed down through the generations. Even some of the black and white movies. I mean, is it still as big as it once was? No, but hopefully that never happens to Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, because I think Nightmare Before Christmas is the biggest it's ever been is right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to come on here for episode 11 and... Talk about one of our other favorite nostalgic movies, and we will talk to you next time. Bye! Hello, everybody! Hi! It's lovely to be back. We are going to be recording episode 13. Woo! Lucky 13! We're going to talk about Jason. On Friday the 13th, final chapter. Woo! We'll post it a day early so you can listen to it on Friday the 13th. Post it a day early so you listen to it on Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that way they don't have to... Ah, because it's, yeah. it's Thursday today, guys. I was kind of confused. Our cat is here to make a little announcement. She goes, meow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, but we're going to be talking about what four. Friday the 13th, final chapter, part four. The one with Corey Feldman. You know the actors and actresses' names? 
Well, he's Go the most famous it. person in there. Uh, is that... Who's that? He's a kid from Goonies. Ah, he is the guy that is Tommy... Tommy Jarvis. Jarvis. Actor one of... Three. three. <laughs> one of three. So, what do you want to talk about? What's your views? What's your opinions about the movie? Well, Good, I've bad? I've seen it a lot. It's one of my favorite Jason movies. But yesterday was your first time watching it. In a long time. I thought it was the one where they're down in the sewer, but that was wrong. Yeah, that's Jason Takes Um, But it was interesting. I liked it. Uh, it was more gory than most of his films. I think it was one of the first of his, the goriest of the films that they've done. I think it's like where, like it's the first couple were really gory, and then after that they kind of calm it down. Because in part five there's not a lot of gore. Oh, we're not talking about part five. We're talking about part four. Well, I mean, in the <laughs> in the vein of a lot of the Friday fans, when it after four they really dialed back on the some of the violent stuff, some of the gore, ring, uh, ring, 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 the skinny dipping stuff, the. There's more nudity in the... Well, thank the goodness it's part four with lots of guts and gore and nudity. Yes. Um, the... I think it was one of the goriest of the Friday the 13th up to part four. Like, one was a little gory, not much. I mean, there was... There was more in two. Um, the second one was... Yeah, yeah, with the, the mom's head in the fridge... That was creepy. The mom's head in the fridge. The, yeah. The spike through the bed. I don't really really remember part three. I know it's a, it was in 3D and something about that dude liking lots of bunnies. But I don't remember. Yes, that's in the first five minutes. I don't, I don't really know that one very that's well. That's the one with Shelly and... Oh, is that the, the non-Jason one? Or? No, that's part five. Oh, that's part five. I don't remember the third. But the fourth, it seemed like they were trying to overshadow Halloween Part 2. Right? There's a lot of homages to the Halloween franchise. Yeah, it was... Yeah. From the two characters in the beginning, that reminded me of Bud and Karen. Mm -hmm. To the Halloween knife on the wall yeah that's what i compare it to is like they were trying to outdo halloween 2 with the gore because halloween 2 yeah it's kind of gory but it's not there's not a whole lot of blood in halloween 2 so it's like they amped it up for friday the 13th part 4 to go above and beyond this one also has one of the better stories in it than compared to the others because it connects to the other films. I do like... I did like it a lot. Um, the kills were pretty cool. I'm very fascinated with all the kills that he did. Especially, like, the... There was... Res, um, what's it called? Uh, resemblance to the, the, the first Friday. Um, when the naked chick goes on to the... the What's it? Raft, I guess it would be. Yeah. The inflatable raft. And that insinuates, like, the 
final part of the first one, yeah. along with where when Kevin Bacon gets killed yeah. in the first one, it's the same type of kill in that one with her, like going through the raft and up. Like, I did don't think it was an arrow, but did you miss how Paul died? Um, it might have. I don't remember. He got a harpoon gun through the testicles. Is that resembling? Uh, no, that's just like uh, Friday one with Kevin Bacon, because it was wasn't it like a harpoonish thing that went that through was, his neck? Um, an arrow. That, that, was an, that was an arrowhead. This was more of like a, a dual kill, like they did in part two. Didn't didn't Jason get? Shot in the head or something with a harpoon as well in one of the things, or got shot with it? No, he shoots somebody. In oh, so eight. he just shoots it? Yeah, he shoots it at the girl. Thought he got hurt. And isn't. Wow, I have lots of questions. I should know the answers because we did just watch it last night. But isn't this the one where uh, we finally get the, the hatchet thing in the mask? Is mm. part four or. Um, the, the sh Part three is where he has the hatchet in the mask. This is the one where he gets hit in the face with the machete and he slides down it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was, that was bad. I didn't, oh. Okay. Is, <laughs> I remember. This is the first one that I think, uh, Halloween, Friday the 13th Part 4 should really get more props for it created the staples of the genre. Uh... The slightly virgin-esque girl, the <laughs> the guy that's trying to trying to show that he's actually like a lover in bed trope. He's kind of geeky. You have the junk. You have the promiscuous girl. You have the cool hero type, which would be Corey Feldman's. You have the person hunting Jason, which is the first time somebody's hunted Jason in a movie, and that would be Rick, who's um the guy who uh, fights Jason in the dark, but he's supposed to be a connection to the girl. In part two, that got impaled with the spear through the bed. That was his sister from part two, so it's a connection to that, and it has a it just has a lot of good character development and for talking about character development in a horror film is something you don't get that often and this one really developed everybody from Axel who was the perverted more guy in the beginning to all the teenagers get character development the mom gets character development the sister Tommy everybody that's involved there's not one character that you don't know stuff about even the twins get character development, even though they don't have a lot of scenes on screen. And the deaths are all really good, and I think Jason has a pretty cool look in this film. Yes. I think this is, like, the first one of the Fridays that he killed somebody that shouldn't have died. The mom. Yeah. That, I think this is... Because he never went after, like, kids. Like, the kids in, at the camp. Or yeah. He never attacked anybody. Not saying, like, they deserved to die, the people that did. But they had sinful things. Sinful flaws. Yeah. And 
I'm pretty sure the mom was sinful, but she was a good mom. And in the first five minutes, when you when you her first scene on screen, she talks about trying to reconcile with uh, Trish's dad. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to, but it's also the first one that does not take place in Crystal Lake. True. Because they don't make it to Crystal Lake. And technically, you said this is like Saturday the 16th or something? Yeah, Sunday the 16th. Part 2 takes place on Friday the 13th. Part 3 takes place on... Saturday the the 15th? Or 14th? Yeah, and this is like the end of Jason's weekend. Huh. This one's more... Killing spree. This one's more of a revenge tale for Jason. Because they like killed him and left him for dead. But he wasn't dead. Like, this is, like, I think the final one before he becomes Zombie Jason. Yes, because Paramount Studios at the time were embarrassed of the Friday the 13th franchise. And we're going to kill it. And then this movie made a shit ton of money in the 80s. This came out. This actually came out the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street. 84. So, in the later films, because I'm not a big jason fan like i haven't watched a lot of them like later in the film are is he still able to being tricked by people no no because like right now like the last several it's like psychological it's psycho- mind blo- like mind issues that he has because the second one the 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 jenny. girl jenny is pretending to be his mom yeah i can't remember what the third one was uh chrissy uh Chrissy tricks him as as well, and this is the last. And then this one, the little boy tricks him, like being Jason, uh, being him as a little kid, and being his self subconscious or whatever his his little brain little thing telling right from wrong. Because technically, Jason is actually a mentally disabled kid. Technically, if you go by his backstory, yeah, he's mentally handicapped. And the only reason why he's going on a killing spree, supposedly, is because he saw his mom get chopped up. And that's also the camp. Technically, the whole story of Jason is he's he's basically protecting Crystal Lake because that's his home. So it's like people invading somebody's house. So Jason's protecting his house. Just don't go into the woods, guys. That's basically the, 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 the gist of it. But this one, you could tell, is the beginning of more violent Jason mm-hmm. because there's like he nails one of the bodies to the wall and then to get to um Trish he runs through and just tears the body down as the nails tear through the hands he's that's true he he takes Rick's body and throws it through the window as hard as he can he takes a girl and launches her through the window and onto a car he busts his hand through a glass window to get to one of the guys that was taking a shower and impales him on the glass that's down there he's really violent and really aggressive and he takes some punishment in this movie yes he takes hand he takes the claw part of the hammer to the neck he takes hammer shots to the forehead he she gets, even like cut 
Where'd she cut him with the machete? Right down the hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember now. No, 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 no. He also gets a TV smashed on top of his head. Yeah. And technically, the way they're swinging around that TV, that TV would have been disconnected from the cord long before he could have even swung and hit him. Trust me. Because they're just swinging it around that, that, like that, a lasso. That, that's a different movie we watched. Really? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a different... Well, that's what happens when you have me watch so many scary movies. No, this one, they just picked up the TV and just dropped it on no, his No, I think there was one where they did a... Not like a full lasso-y thing, but whatever. I don't care. That was crazy. Anyway, that should have broken apart, whether it was in that film or not. Yeah, it's... <laughs> This one also was the return of Tom Savini to the Friday the 13th series. He did all the makeup effects on the first one. So he created all the effects for this. And why do why does all the people in the horror films name Tommy? There's Tommy Jarvis, Tommy Doyle. Come on. I think Let's get away him, from I, Tommy. I think naming him I think most of the characters that were named what they were named in this one was a reference to other horror franchises. Maybe. Is what they were, is what they were going with, and there's a lot of innuendos in this movie, really? or uh, like sexual innuendos, like. Oh, you're talking about the gay one the, in the, the shower. Well, not just that. The, the the dead fuck line, and how could you break up? How could you let B J Betty break up with you? And when you first see that movie, when you're a kid, you don't know what B J Betty means. But you learn when you're older what that means. Big jumper, right? <laughs> there's there's a lot to this movie. And the weird thing is, is this actually, for a lot of people, this is where they started their Jason. A lot of people don't start with the very first one. I did. A lot of people start with four. Which always reminds me of watching Monster Vision one year. And the Monster Vision couldn't get the rights to Friday the 13th Part 4. So Joe Bob Riggs went off script and started yelling and screaming on TV. Because how can you not have the rights to Part 4 when there's crucial plot points? Mm-hmm. Because this is, this is the one in the series that sets up a protagonist for three films. Yes. Tommy Jarvis. Even though not Doyle, because that's from Halloween. Even though technically, part five isn't really Jason. You know, I wonder if Tom, if Tommy Doyle changed his name to Tommy Jarvis. No, because in Curse of Michael <laughs> Myers, he's the creepy guy that watches the 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 Strode family from across the way. That's creepy. <laughs> Anywho, I'm a bigger Michael fan. She's a huge Halloween fan. I just, uh, in honor of Friday the 13th, I really wanted to pick one, but I wanted to, like, really pick a good one. And to me, this one... Yeah, and the kid goes crazy at the end. Like They, they leave a, a little... cliffhanger like you think he could go nuts, but then they don't go anywhere with it. No. They, they give you the feeling that he's going to be the new Jason. And I wonder if... Then Halloween 4 
Came out years later. Came out years later, but kind of took the same... I'm just making this connection right now. Took the same ending as Friday 4. Yeah, and then they did it in 1989. <gasps> My brain just got boggled. One of the things I've noticed over the years is that the Friday the 13th franchise and the Halloween franchise take stuff from each other all the time. They, they borrow elements from other movies. Which I just, I just find, well, originally they said that Friday the 13th was a Halloween ripoff. No, not exactly. I don't think it's a Halloween ripoff at all. Some people just make that argument that they saw, that they saw Halloween and then they decided to make their version of it. Of course. Duh. I would, but I would have chose a happier holiday. Than a holiday that's not really a holiday. I guess so. Like Halloween. So I would do Easter. Have a killer Easter bunny running around. So would you. <laughs> would you pick Friday the 13th Part 4 as one of the better. Now not just Jason movies. But one of the better slasher films out of the 80s. Mmm. I would put in the top ten. Okay. I would too. I liked it. It was... It did set up for the next several films. Um, I, I like it as much as I like Halloween 4. I think they're both two really good entrants. Like, I really... I, I really... Uh, I had a thought, and it's gone now. Go ahead. So I think this one and Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers... Are two very good, very good films. Mm -hmm. The problem I I believe is the year that this came out. You had Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. You had the very first Nightmare on Elm Street came out, and you also had Season of the Witch. I believe. I hate that movie. I know that is one movie that will never be covered on this podcast. By the well, way, well maybe I don't know. I don't want to cover it because I hate that movie and it'll just be me ranting for a half hour about how much I hate it which may or may not be good so this has been episode 13 and we will talk to you again on episode 14 which maybe. will also drop this week maybe Well, beep, beep, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Splattercast, and today we are going to be talking about It Chapter 2. Spoil alerts! If you haven't watched it, turn this off now. Don't go forward. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go out and watch it. First. Okay. Awesome. This is also the currently the number one movie in America. Number one. It a lot of people went out in droves to see this, even though the critics were not they didn't understand the movie. So they crapped on it. There's a lot of people that crapped on it, but most of the people that crapped on the movie are the people that uh don't know much about the book, the universe, 
or what they were trying to accomplish. Hopefully they washed it before we watched it. Yeah. You said they crapped on it. Yeah. Hopefully they washed it before <laughs> they put it on the TV again. <laughs> so. Wow. That was a stretch. This, um, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> this movie, a, it there's a lot they couldn't put into it because the book is over a thousand pages. This is only two movies. And yeah, I know the movie was almost three hours. It was the most amazing three hours of my life. But they did every... I don't think there's a lot they could have altered it. There's a lot they had in the movie. There are some points that I think kind of were not needed. But they weren't big chunks of the movie. But... Let's get your thoughts. What were you, what was your thoughts on it chapter 2? I wish it was more scary. Like the first one scared the bejesus out of me. Like full on balls to the wall, scared. I was scaring people in the movie theaters. I was screaming and I was jumping, freaking out on the first one. The second one I think was more funny. Then it was scary. It there was a balance, but I think they could have amped up the scary. I think I anticipated it not being as scary. One, a lot of people said it wasn't as scary. But I didn't know all that before going in. You never told me any of that. So when I went in, expecting what the first one gave me and getting what I got, Yay! It's my gremlins. And getting what I got really sucked. Like, I was expecting him to be extra out there. Um, the beginning, I wasn't expecting. Like, that really That's... fucked with my brain. Like, the very beginning of the movie, like, sent me over the edge. Like, I thought this was, oh my god, it was almost like... They teased me type of thing. Like, I'm going to give you the most gruesome part of the whole movie right now. And then the rest of it kind of fell flat for me. That's the one scene I didn't think they were going to put in the movie. Because it's the I love dairy scene. So With anybody, the gay guys. The gay guys that get royally beaten up because they're gay. And it actually is the opening to the book. It is the very first part of the book, and it's not something I expected to even be in the movie. One complaint I would say is there's not enough Pennywise. Maybe that's why it wasn't as scary. He's uh, he's actually, most of the scenes are more of like, he's not as Pennywise, he's as other things. Maybe that's why. I don't know, to me it just didn't hold up like the first one did. I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. It just... For me, I was so amped up from the first one that I wanted the same kind of creepy in the next one. They made more fun of it, of Pennywise, than were afraid of it. If that makes sense. like One of the things I would change is the Stanley thing. They went and did that so quickly 
that he's... And it wasn't... The the original, it gave you more... Of him. What What's the word I'm looking for? Not of him, but just more anticipation. Oh my god, what, what's he gonna do? Why is it so on him in the bathtub? Oh my god, he's di- you know, dying. He's dead. Oh my gosh. And then that whole pan away from that and the bloody it on the wall. Whew. It didn't show that. It showed Stanley in tub. Uh, the next thing, you know, flashes going on in his head and then him slitting his wrists. But you don't even see that. You just see, the, like, the blood on the thing. I think they could have, like, bam, actually that was it. shown it. But I think nowadays, censors with stuff like that, they wouldn't have even let them put that in the movie. Maybe there's, like, a director's cut that's going to come out or something because that the was so rushed. director said the original cut of the movie was five hours. I would watch the five hours. I, I would as well, just as a hardcore uh, Stephen King's It fan, I will say, but I as think, much as you love a movie, yeah. you can still pull it apart. And one of the things that I think falls really flat in the movie is the flashbacks with the kids, because they didn't film them in 2016, so all the scenes they filmed, they're older, so it doesn't match. Like, that was okay with me. I know, like, but there's parts think... of it that you could... Well, because we watch yeah. we watch Stranger Things, and in but... Stranger Things, one of the characters is in there, so he looks a lot older. True, but as well, like, that didn't have a big effect on me, because they still looked like they well, did, they were just older. To me, some of them, like, their voices slightly changed, and they're... Facial features change. So you're saying the the it, it doesn't cohesiveness. Ma- yeah, you didn't care for. I didn't. I didn't care for that because it's cohesive. If they knew they were going to do an it chapter two, and they had a and he had a vision, he should have filmed extra scenes with the kids back in 2016 because he filmed it in 2015 with the kids, released it in 2016, and then to go film scenes in 2018. Okay, when, I when the see when they're supposed to still be the, they're supposed to be the same age, so it kind of takes some of the uh, make believe stuff. But I do still think there's there's scenes in there, like the flashbacks didn't really for me. It didn't really hinder the movie. Like I like the flashbacks, but some of their timings were off. Yeah, like uh, the kid that plays Eddie, like Kid Eddie. Yeah. His timing was off. I wish that they had, when they're adults and in Derry, I wish there was more interaction between it and them, Pennywise and them. Yes. Um, Because most of the flashbacks, yes, Pennywise was in them. But not. But snippets, like real quick. So when they go and they're trying to remember everything, finding their their thing that they have to burn towards the end of the movie, like when they're doing that and they're encountering Pennywise at the same time, it's so brief. Like there's no harm done to that. Like I I don't know. Maybe it's not in the book or something, but I would in the want book them... there's more interactions with. Pennywise and, and them the, older and them older. Think of uh, go back to the miniseries. There is scenes with 
Pennywise and all the adults extended scenes that you didn't see in here. There was uh, Richie in the library. There was Bill uh, at the cemetery where all the graves are being dug. And then there's the scene where he goes and flips through the cards and Pennywise's face is on him. And yeah, like I said, I just there wasn't a whole lot with Pennywise in this one. And that's what was disappointing because they left us wanting that i think they they gave us everything we wanted in the first one and the second one it's almost like they they toned pennywise down it's like pennywise has returned he's this massive thing he's starting to kill kids again but it seems gaining all this he's not i think what they might have been going for is pennywise isn't so strong as he once was but I don't know because but he even seems... with them, because they're supposed these these adults are supposed to be fearing, like they don't even remember Pennywise before they even come back to town. Like they don't know why they're coming back. Just Except that there for was, Beth, which is... I don't know if she remembers she, quite sh- yet. She said but, she never forgot. But Pennywise, you know, they don't even remember Pennywise. In the original, once Mike said, hey, he's back, everybody was like, oh my god, Pennywise. Like, it just flashed into his head, their heads. This one, it's like, oh, hey, guys, and it's all done at the the restaurant, the Chinese restaurant. Which I do like the what? the twist on... It's How the, they find out Stan's dead. Well, no, not just that. The, the scene with the, the fortune cookies is a throwback to the original yeah because everything they turn into is the same thing it turns into the original i will say that the there's one flaw with the adult actors and that's because when you're watching the movie there is one actor that just blows everybody away and originally before i saw this i thought it was gonna be james mcavoy the guy that plays bill because he's been in Big name movies, he was in Wanted, he was in the X-Men movies, but no, it's freaking, it's freaking Bill Hader. That dude is funny. He's the guy that plays adult Richie. Yeah. He is just like, boom, boom. And the funny thing is, I've never seen him in anything. Like, he had me laughing. That's what I'm saying. But Richie Tozer is supposed to be like that, and the funny thing... Well, in in the book, he's supposed to be this funny comedian. I get that, but in the, I can't. I'm gonna keep going back to the original because that's the only thing I can um, compare it to. Because she like, hasn't read the book, and like, okay, the original one, Eddie gets so scared that yeah, when he's older, he's a comedian, but. As soon as he goes back to Derry, he can't do a joke to save his life. Like, he's so terrified of this thing that he can't crack jokes like he was in the beginning of the movies. Like, he's so terrified. This one, he's making fun of it the whole time. What, Richie? Right? Didn't I say Richie? You or said did... Eddie. Whatever. You know what I mean. The the clown. Ha ha ha. Yeah. The clown of the thing without being Pennywise. The actual jokester. Like... This one, he's like cracking jokes every second he gets. They're down in the bunker that, uh, what's his face? Ben made. Yeah. And he's like making fun of it. The one scene in the whole movie 
of the first remade it that nobody liked when he's all dancing in that weird lava pit thingy and he's making he's making fun of it which is good because he's using comedy to hide okay one of the things that they say in the movie is the secret the secret the secret they don't come out and say it but in the book the secret is he's actually gay oh that's why he's making jokes and hiding things and there's this weird bond with Eddie and him, and that's why at the end of the movie, he carves Eddie and Richie with a heart. I would never have got... I thought they were just like best no, friends he, type thing. And That's why like, he got offended at the arcade when the guy called him a, a, a homo and called him gay. Because Richie's secret is that he's gay. And he's hiding it. Oh. He's hiding it the whole time. See, which, that's in the book, and that's not in the movie. Like, they, I they, guess there's nuances the, to there's it. There's nuances on it, but they but, didn't. They figured they already had that the scene with the two gay guys. Which, by the way, when when you do watch it, if you are not, if you don't like uh, the violence against gay people, what they they completely do not tone that down. They're beaten to a bloody pulp. And one of the gay guys has to watch his lover get his heart ripped out by Pennywise in front of him. Yes. But the scene in there that most people will go to, because I've talked to several people, and there's one scene that they say really just made him get the willies. It's like the Georgie scene. It's just like the Georgie scene in the original. It is Pennywise is under the bleachers. And he's there's like this firefly, yeah, and there's one. this little girl that gets made fun of because she has that dis- birthmark. That, it's that, a birthmark on her face. And it's not a disease; it's just a birthmark. But they make fun of her, so they, he says, "I'll be your friend. Will you be my friend?" Really coarse in her, which reminds me a lot of uh, Georgie and Pennywise. Well, not even just that. That r- brought it back to the original, the how that clown is. I can't remember the guy. I'm horrible with names. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. It reminds Pennywise. me of the uh, the scene the whole... in the uh, with uh, Pennywise and Eddie in the shower. Yeah, like I don't know. It just it was like he was human for the first time. He he wasn't that scary ass clown, even though he had the same face paint and everything like that. Like he wasn't the scary ass clown. It was. But he just opens. His mouth and yes. just rips her face off. Like I said, it just... And they show it. Like, for me, like, that brought a different perspective of the new Pennywise. If that makes sense. Because it was like, oh my gosh, I could see myself being that little girl. You yeah. know, being made fun of. All this stuff. And like, oh, I get made fun of too, he says. And like, all this stuff. Well, well, well I thought maybe you'd be my friend. And it's like, oh my gosh, I could see myself in this little girl befriending this clown because he's always made fun of because he looks different and getting closer and that, that, um, what's it called? The friendship. Well, not a friendship, but it's like a kinship. anxiety building because you know what's going to happen. What's going to happen. You know, you know, that clown's not friendly. He's That's trying why I say to... it reminds me of. The Georgie Pennywise yeah. scene. That's one of the scenes that people are are talking about. One of the things that I think most people didn't notice and is the cameo. 
there is a cameo of the original cast. One cast member from the original miniseries is in the movie as hmm. the director. At the very beginning when, when Bill goes oh, on yeah. set and the director that? that's on there, it's the guy who played Eddie in the original series. Hmm. Well, because John Ritter's not alive anymore, and well, I don't think yeah, you, either. You were mentioning something like that in the theater, but I was so into the movie that I you you said something. You're like, oh my god! I that's thought him. that was cool. I wish that they would have got like uh, a couple other people from there. I I really mm. like the Stephen King cameo. Yes, because in the the one uh, store which has the bike, which yeah. if you look at it is the original bike from the miniseries. Yeah. It's the same bike. But the fact, the the reason that they threw the, there's this line that's going through the whole movie. It's, I hate your endings. I love your books, but I hate the endings. Because the one thing that everybody always says about Stephen King books are, I love your books, but I hate the endings. Because most people hate the endings in Stephen King books because they're not, like, your average endings. And Bill's line about he doesn't the world's not a happy place cause it's not but I thought Audrey would have been in the movie more she's in there yeah she's only in there at the beginning she's in there for one scene and she's a grade A bitch I yeah. I didn't like her the other thing that I thought that they lacked on was Beverly and her relationship with her husband like they completely like just folded that and shoved it out there I th and was like blah I like it wasn't that's because, intense i think it's because of all this stuff recently with all but the, still that like, it was them it was them holding holding back because if you read the page but no like in the okay well yes you know the book but i'm well, saying the book in they the, go the there's like three pages movie, it's yeah in the first movie like you see him and it's like He's this dominating person, and, like, she's a very submissive person, and it's this whole battle of, you know, and, like... They should have spent more time on the adults before they went to Derry. Like, they just, there was that, I was wondering how far they were going to take it and they, because of all the stuff from the first one. they didn't take uh, it. And then all the stuff at the beginning of this movie with the gay guys and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, they're going to really blow my marbles... Like, just blow my brains out with this Beverly and her husband. Yeah, but Like, they, um... I can't believe it. We're going to see this. And then when it happened, it was like, you're not going. I got to teach you. And then she punches him and she leaves. Like, there was... It's... There was nothing. Like, I'm like... They really <gasps> laxed on some of the stuff. And for those people that are going to complain and say that um, we're bashing on that... We, we truly love the movie. Yes. It was one of the best horror films I've seen this year. I love but it. But just because you love a movie doesn't mean you can't say things about it. And part of it is people are going to complain, oh, they had four hours. No, they had four hours for two parts for the first half and the second half. So they had less time to character development, the, the adults. And in 1990, they did a better job about doing that and there is something big that they I was just thinking about it that they fucked up on with one of the characters it is a core part of who he is Bill what is the one thing he barely does in part two stutter stutter he stuttered once 
And he doesn't Once say or twice. and he doesn't say the line. The line that he used to have to type on a typewriter all the time yeah, to help with this. I can't remember what it was, but you And can. that's and that's um it talks about him uh seeing the de- uh the devil in its eyes, which is a which is a homage kind of thing to the deadlights. And the the really bad thing is he just he it's it almost seems like he didn't know where to go with the character of Bill because also in the original miniseries when Bill remembers that his his little brother that got murdered he completely forgot that his little brother got murdered when he was a kid and when he remembers it's not even anything big but in the original one it all of a sudden his stutter just came back like that and it was horrible and he just holds his wife and says, I gotta go. And yeah. to me, that was like more impactful because they barely mentioned the Georgie stuff until they all had to go into but their But even s- then, stuff. it wasn't really... I don't know. It just wasn't that whole brotherly thing. And I never knew that in the original, that he was actually not sick. And that's why he blames himself yeah. so much for Georgie's death. It's it's one of the things that comes out in the in the in the book when you're reading it because it's one of the things you're reading it you're reading it and then you read it because it's towards the end of the book and you're like wow. So then Bill has to come to terms with the fact that it wasn't his fault because he didn't know that George that was gonna be the last time. The only real cool scene that I can there's two good scenes I like with Bill. One of them is when he's riding the bike down. And he's going yeah. super fast. And he looks and sees the Kneebald house. And then the other one is where he goes to the drain. And he starts yelling and screaming at it. And I thought that they're Pennywise, gonna, I yeah. thought they're going to do the whole thing of not having Pennywise in that scene. But he talks back. What they should have done is have like his eyes show up. Like, just his eyes. Because you don't have to show his face. Just show his eyes of what Bill's yelling at. Granted, that little kid that he tries to save gets freaking destroyed. Yeah. That's... And it that is Pennywise trying to instill that no matter if he's there, if he's not, doesn't matter what Bill can do, it's never going to be good enough. He's going to keep taking the people in that town, whether he's there, he's not, doesn't matter. I mean, that's the whole thing to me, because... I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why that's doing That's her that. notification ringtone, by the way. Um, I don't understand... Or... I don't even know where I was now. Oh, that whole scene with him in the funhouse. And, like, he's right there. And the kid's on the other side of the glass. And he's right there. And no matter what Bill does, like, he cannot get through to save that kid. And it's like Pennywise doesn't give a rat's ass. And Bill's screaming at him, I'm here this time. You can't do it. I'm here. I'm here. And that's when the little kid gets murdered. I mean, just blood everywhere. Did you see the foreshadowing that happened before that? As he's running down the hallway, 
all the the swinging back clowns are the original Pennywise. Yes. And Pennywise is hitting him and knocking him into the wall. So it's basically saying that no matter that Pennywise is the one going after him. But I do like some of the adult scenes. I didn't like the uh, forced um, star-crossed lovers scene. Of, of Ben and... and uh, ben and Bev are both drowning at the same time. And the only way that they can survive is that they I hold each other's it. hand. I it wasn't, did, but it It didn't. wasn't that. It was like, finally... Because it was, for me, how I looked at all those is like the test. Like, are you brave enough to conquer your deepest fear? His deepest fear was being rejected by Beverly. That was his love no matter what happened. You, you know what I mean? Like, she was his first love. She's the first person in that whole town to like him and treat him like he's a human being. But if he tells her, I love you, is she going to give it back to him? Probably not because she likes Bill. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, then it's like all this stuff. Like, is he really going to say it? Is he going to say it and set himself free? Is she going to finally realize who really sent that letter? You the, know what I mean? The weird thing about that whole scene is, like, there's no Pennywise in the whole scene. I, I don't so, know. So, a lot of them had to be tested by Pennywise. Oh, yeah. But he's nowhere in either of those sequences. I think the thing that it was referencing for me in those, I don't know if it's true, but it's, like, when they were kids... Why Beverly was in that room was because that was where she hid most of her time during middle school or high school. I don't know when they were in, when they were younger. And the girls would pick on her. She was always in the bathroom. Ben's place of security was in that den that he created. So it's like those safety places are slowly eating them alive until they come to terms with what they fear. You see what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's I just like, think the test scenes, were... like, some of them are good, but Richie and Eddie's was funny because it had that fucking per- Pomeranian on crack. Yes. I, I never understood why they were afraid of Pomeranians. Because he, makes a, he made a joke earlier about, hey, if it's things we're afraid of, why don't we just think of freaking a Pomeranian? Because that can't hurt us. It, okay. It was almost like a comedy spoof on a Ghostbusters. Stay Puft and it, they Man. also had the doors again in this one. The yeah. scary, the not scary, and the very, very scary. Yeah. And no matter what door they chose, there was always something scary behind it. But I, I think, no, they chose the very scary first. And that was with, uh, what was her name? That lost the shoe. It was in the first one. They found their sh- her shoe in. Betty. Betty. Um, they found her body was running at them or something. It was like, it was her body. body was missing. Yeah. So they slammed that door. And then the next one's the Pomeranian. Yeah. And then the Pomeranian morphs into this fucking weird ass creature. And then they're like, oh, so maybe he's not trying to trick us this time. And they open up the not scary at all door and there's nothing there. And Pennywise disappears behind them and stuff. I don't know. But I don't think that they really had a test. They weren't tested like the other two. Or the other three. Because Bill was tested by Georgie. He 
Eddie was tested because he he had to face his fears of the of the leper. Yeah. And his test, um, Richie's test, was for him to get past that room because that those three doors encompass when he ran into Pennywise alone by himself. Yeah. So those. I don't know. I do. I love the movie. What about um, the the one thing I really didn't want in the movie, but I got anyways. The spider. Sp- spider. It didn't look as cheesy as the original one did. Yes. The original one was very cheesy. This one, it still was cheesy, but it wasn't as cheesy. I don't know how to explain it. It was more of Pennywise. The original was just, here's a spider. This one was, it's a fucking clown spider. Which sounds funny as shit, I know, but it actually looked pretty cool and scary. I do like that they showed Pennywise in his natural form. The lights? No, the three lights. Yeah, the three dead lights. Yeah. And there is a point where you can see the other lights above, which are a reference to... I don't like the ending. I do not like the way that they kill it. That-esque. Like, that was almost as bad as the original death thing. Because they, like, they, bo- they bully him. Down. Making him feel small. And then he gets smaller and he looks like a little midget clown. and A baby. But not just that. Of all the people to pull the heart out, why, did, why was it Mike? I think it was because... I don't know. Because he never left? He never left and... His his own issues he had by staying. Yeah. I think that's what it was because he tricked the people to come back. Because he knew if he told them on the phone... They wouldn't come back. They wouldn't come back. So the whole fact that he tricked them and lied. Because, I mean, he lied the whole time. About the ritual was going to save up, them. Yeah, save. save Well, not even just that. Like, he neglected to tell them that even if the ritual did complete the way it was supposed to, everybody was going to die. It wasn't just going to be Pennywise. It was going to be the Losers Club. Like, he didn't say that. And he lied about it. The ritual, that's, that was the whole thing. Like, that's why he carved off that part of the, the box. It's because it showed that by doing that, they had to give the ultimate sacrifice and die. And I would have been mad if they kept Eddie alive. Because in the book he <sighs> dies, in the original miniseries he dies. Did he? Yes. In the ori- I don't think so. In the original miniseries he gets, um, he gets um, stabbed I'll by one to. of the... He gets thrown against the rocks and he falls down. I'll have to rewatch the miniseries because yeah. I don't remember Eddie dying. That's why it was such a big shock to me. It was like a horrible shock to me. I was like, what? Because I don't remember Eddie dying. Yeah, but then again, dies, I've only seen it, seen it like and once then or twice. Bill um, rescues his wife, Audrey. From the cocoon and has to bring oh. her, and he he puts her on the bike. So I she thought can... that was Bill's wife. No, that that's Bill's wife, but he rescues her in the movie because Eddie doesn't have a wife. He's by himself. And okay, you just driver. confused me. Okay. So after Eddie dies in the original miniseries, Bill goes and finds his wife in the cocoon, and he opens her, and she's like comatose. So he ends up 
taking her on the on the bike and riding through town to wake her up and she finally wakes up. Yeah. But that was I do love the movie. Um very shocked about Eddie dying cuz like I said I don't really remember that one very much. They make Stan mean something at the end. Yeah, I like that with the letter. That which letter was not in the book. That's something that he came up with to make Stan mean something more. Like his death wasn't in vain. And it's, it wasn't like he was weak. It's yes, he was he weak. He knew that if he came back, he wouldn't have survived. Yeah, because he said in there, I know you guys are mad. I know you guys don't understand why I did what I did. But if I came back, I wouldn't have been able to go up against Pennywise. I was too afraid. There was no way in hell. And we, as a collective of the Losers Club, had to be united. If I came there, we all would die. So I took the only way that I knew I could. The only way that was possible to take. In order for you to survive. So if you're reading this letter, then my plan worked. I just don't like the way that, like, everything... I really wanted the ending from the the very last page. I was hoping, I was praying for that because you told me about it. I was hoping and praying. So anybody that hasn't read the book on the second to the la- on the very last page, um, there's in a big giant paragraph. The way the book ends is where the barons are. On the very top of the barons, somebody somebody spray paints. Pennywise lives. See, wouldn't that have been like an awesome end credit thing? Like after all the credits go, it doesn't even have to be like a a scene. Could be like a drawing or something that was just there. Some something that's like, oh my god, Pennywise is still alive. Because that was in the book, and that because technically the way that the Stephen King universe works is that he's always around you can't kill him you can suppress him but he can always take other forms mm-hmm. so any anytime you read a Stephen King book and you hear the words Mr. Gray Bob Gray Bob Gray those are Pennywise and probably others too that people haven't figured out yet but the one thing that we're not talking about is Bowers that was lame I didn't like it it made no it makes sense because they did it in the miniseries and it's in it's in the book, but the problem is he, It was too fast. Well he wasn't um It was too something. He didn't there wasn't enough from the do. They didn't make him worth any while and then he dies like really fucking quick. That's what I'm saying. Like that whole thing with uh, Bowers is it's, what's his first name? Henry. Henry Bowers. Like that uh, like, I don't get it. Like, it was weird. And then his friend shows up. His dead zombie friend. Yeah, Belch. But I'm pretty sure that was Pennywise. Wasn't really his friend. No, it, was, it just... It was... That part was kind of cool. I liked the special effects. You could actually tell it was supposed to be his friend that died in the very, very beginning. Yeah. Of the, the series. I will say after watching both parts... As great as Bill Skarsgård is. As great as he is. 
after watching both of them, Tim Curry still is at the top. Because he brought nuances to the character that aren't in here, and there's certain ways that he made he made scenes deliver go he rethinking about it because we talked about which one was better a couple weeks ago. Is I he'll go from comedy and he'll slowly merge into scariness. And he can do that like that. Tim Curry has like this amazing ability about Correct. him. And Bill Skarsgård, it never tried to do that medium. He never tried to really boost it up and do something like that. So I think if now looking at it, being able to see it, Chapter 2. It, Chapter 2 is is really good, but for 30 years, for me... Tim Curry's always scared me as that clown. A piece of him periodically throughout my life going until I was 30, I had like mini nightmares where if I would see Pennywise in my nightmares, I'd wake up and I'd have to watch something on TV just to get that image of Tim Curry's Pennywise out of my head because it's all cute and innocent but there's scenes that just go da 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 And Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise doesn't, like, make me that scared. Because he's the always... The first one. The yeah. first... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The very first movie, the new guy, was terrifying. Right? To me, he was just terrifying. Okay? So I liked him in that part. The second chapter that we just watched, he he didn't scare me. I think he calmed he it down. Like, even even with the girl underneath the bleachers, even with the thing about the fun house, like it wasn't the same delivery as the first one. He wasn't in there a lot, like in the original series. In the second half. I, Pennywise was always in there. He, taunting them. Making them feel like no matter where they went. Pennywise was right behind them. This one. Wasn't that way. And the whole thing of. Um, uh, tell him your secret. Tell him your secret. Like I don't understand. I'm like what the hell. Is he a mass murderer? That we don't know about. Until you just told me that he's gay. Like, I didn't understand. Like, it was very... I think part of the problem disconnected. is... Disconnected. Bill Skarsgård went and did an interview about a year and a half ago where he talked about Pennywise gave him nightmares. And he had, a, he had a fly back to Sweden to be away from the character and completely exercise it out of his body. So I think by, by him exercising it completely out of his body, he didn't know how to get back there. But I think... The like character he, scared him too much yeah. in his first portrayal that he didn't want to go back to that. Because it ruined his psyche for like a year. Where all he would see is Pennywise, 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 Pennywise when he went to sleep. Yeah, that's the only thing that I have a problem with is like there wasn't that scared factor. Like, it doesn't take a lot to scare me. Like, jump scares and that kind of thing. But that clown in the first one, like, seriously terrified me. I think 
not not in the original series, the very first chapter that we just watched, to like a couple years ago. I think it chapter two compared to the second half of the it miniseries, I think that nailed it more than this did. Yes. Like this I one agree. has like good special effects and everything. I but, love the story. But the the story's good, but if you were to go back to core acting believability because there's tons of scenes where like a red balloon will just pop up in the original miniseries or when Audrey goes to Derry and she stops at a gas station and there's a gas station attendant and Pennywise tricks her as somebody else and says don't you want a balloon and just says don't you want it and it gets more aggressive and more aggressive and then his eyes turn into the deadlights which is how he's able to hypnotize like par- like uh paralyze um Audrey and he's able to do that. Yeah. Like I don't know. It was just there's I think Tim just knew how to do it. And I think well even with the even with Beverly when she goes back to her old apartment. That seems not as It's not as prevalent of as the first one. Where um her where she's drinking the tea and then the body starts to decompose and then what I was hoping for what was in the original miniseries, as she's running down the street, there's like fifty red balloons just coming down the street at her. And then they all pop except one, which goes like this and bounces and follows her and when it pops it there's blood on the inside. Yeah. Referencing the sink. Yeah. Cause Penny Lies just started fucking like, with them. Like, the yes, Pennywise fucked with them in this version as well. But not. But as, it was so tame. Like the lady, the old lady. I'm like, even at the movie theaters, because it was me, you, and another couple. Yeah. I'm like, is that lady naked now? What the fuck? Like, I don't understand the only how it got there, and then it turned into this weird monster-looking thing, and I'm like, what? I think in the God's only... word. I think the only scene that I think was really impactful was the one with Richie and the clown, where the statue comes alive and tries to stab him. But that was when he was a kid. Yeah, but then it pops into he's an adult, and Pennywise shows up with all these balloons, and it's... Correct. ...flying through, and it was very impactful. And the people in the back, because they do this and they even... Freeze, and they freeze. freeze frame, and he says, tell us all your secret, Richie. Yes. Tell us all your secret. That scene was really cool. I just think as a whole, this movie was good, but it's not like ever since it chapter one came out, I think we've watched it like 50, 60 times. Yeah. I really in, like it in, in three years. Yeah. We've watched it that many times. The other part that was very impactful was the very beginning of it. Chapter two. Yes. That very beginning. It was just. Oh my god. Like, I felt something for those gay guys. Like, I'm like, oh my god, if I was there, I'd help them right now. And then it's like their luck just keeps getting worse and worse. Then they're beat to a bloody pulp, and you finally think, you know, they're going to get away. You know, the, uh, the, the one guy jumps over to save his lover that was thrown over the edge. And then... You see it carrying him aboard onto the the 
by the barons. Yeah. Pulling him up onto the rocks, and it's like the sense of relief to the guy, like, oh my god, finally somebody helped him. Right? And then it's like smashed because then he rips his heart out and it's like, oh fuck, what did I do? I need to get out of here. And he can't because he's swept up and then he knows in the end he's going to die as well. Like, that was very impactful. And then all the balloons coming down, like, it was... It started off the bang and then it kind of fizzled. That's how I feel. I still love the movie. I'll probably watch it 10 million more times. I love it. We have so much... It stuff I in will the say room. one of the cool thing about it chapter two, and I didn't know this was gonna happen. There is so much merchandise. Okay, we went to Target and they have mini. They have mystery figures. They have action figures. They have Tiny Toon stuff, um, which are like these cartoony uh, characterizations of the horror people. There's pop figures. There's T-shirts. So I think one good thing about it chapter one and two is. Is it's making Pennywise into a horror icon. Yeah. Because now there's like merchandise and people are putting Pennywise on the same level as Jason and Michael and Freddy and Chucky and all those people have multiple movies and technically there's only three It movies. But one thing I would suggest everybody is you should either get an audio audiobook or the actual book. And I would read it. Because there's so much in there that's not in there. Like, Bev and her husband. There's three pages. And it goes super in-depth about the uncomfortableness of him touching her. And how she feels about it. And then the abuse and everything. And it really goes into detail. The only problem with the book is it does jump around. So go here... And there, but everybody has their own chapter. So there's a chapter for Bill. There's a chapter for Bev. Eddie, Richie, all of them. I'll probably be reading it, because I do like to read, so I'll probably read it, but... I think everybody should check out the movie. It's just... It's not... Because one of the things they did is they said it has the most amount of blood of any horror film ever. So people were expecting a gore fest, but all that blood is reserved for one scene. And it's the scene where Bev is where, in the yeah, it's in the bathroom, and it was her test. Yes, the one that you don't really care for. But that one was they they. Told I think Edward, it was symbolic, though. Yeah, it's was just everything. It's just bad when you tell horror fans this has the most amount of blood you'll ever see in a horror film, and then that's how you get the most amount of blood in a horror film. Yeah, like I said, I. I see more symbolism with the blood for her because of everything that happened to her. Like, her father molested her. That whole thing. Then the blood in the sink. All this stuff with her and blood. Blood, blood. Like, they had to drown her in blood. I mean... (laughs) Well, yeah, I just wish that they would have... Not said what they said and just left it the way it was. Or not been so timid and pulled the pulled the trigger on stuff. Because this was the one opportunity to really... Shine. Fully deliver. On. Mm-hmm. So this was just our thoughts and opinions on It Chapter 2. Yes, there were, we said some negative stuff. But we do love the movie. Of course. I'm a complete Pennywise fan. Have been ever since I watched the very first one. 
Um, we have tons of Pennywise merchandise. Like, I love Pennywise. I love the thought of Pennywise. Like, Pennywise is, like, the end-all, be-all. He'll always be there no matter what type thing. No matter what you do, he'll always come back. And as I, I love it. was told a long time ago, just because a movie is your favorite does not mean you cannot say what's wrong with it. I love the Jason movies, but I fully understand things that are wrong with them. And on that note, we also dropped our Friday the 13th episode, which we talked yes. about part four. And before we end this episode, I am going to say next week, we are going to talk about one of my favorite horror type movies that I watched when I was a kid. And it, it is now a cult classic. But when it came out, people crapped on it. People shat on it. Because when everybody else was watching The Goonies, I was watching Monster Squad. So next week, we are going to talk about Monster <laughs> Squad, and we are going to rewatch it. If you want to watch Monster Squad before we talk about it, it is currently on Hulu and Amazon Prime for free as long as you have the service. And if we get the chance... To go watch a movie next week that's only playing three times, you'll be getting a review on that, and that is three, three from hell. Three from hell. I was going to say four from hell, but I didn't think that was right. Which was is it four or three? It's three. Three from hell. Because it is the end of the trilogy of the House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. Is the end? Yeah, it's the last one in the series. Okay, well. So, Three from Hell, it's playing only in exclusive areas. It's very limited, and it's only for three days. Only for three days. We're, we're, I'm hoping to go... We're, we are hoping to go and watch it on Wednesday, because they're doing um, Devil's Rejects right before it, or yes. is it the House of Thousand Corpses? Uh, it's Devil's Rejects. Devil Rejects, and then it's the so, Three from Hell. if we're able to, we are going to do a lengthier episode, and we will talk about Devil's Rejects, House of Thousand Corpses. I don't know about the House of Thousand Corpses. I like Devil's Rejects. More. I don't really remember that one all as well as the other one. If we're able to, we'll do uh, Devil's Rejects and we'll do Three from Hell. But okay. that's only if we're able to. If not, we will give you a different episode. Yeah, because I don't know if the timing is going to be right with my job and everything. And if everything's perfect and goes how I want it to go. Then we'll be able to go watch it. If not, we're going to have to wait till it comes out on DVD because fucking the theaters suck. That's just the way the cookies crumble when you live in a small town. Well, not even just that. Just theaters suck because it's not rated and who it's by. They don't want to so, show it and blah, blah, blah. So and either politics. way, you're going to get um, Monster Squad next week. And then we will give you either Three From Hell, Devil's Rejects, or... We will find a different one. Yes. I have ideas. I won't share them now just because I want it to be a surprise. And if you go to Chucky's Funhouse tomorrow, I know there, has been, there hasn't been any content since June on that channel. But starting tomorrow, I am going to have two movie reviews. There's going to be a review for 
the Banana Splits horror film. <laughs> that was funny. And there is going to be a review for uh, Laid to Rest 2 Chrome Skull because I love that movie and that movie just got put on Amazon Prime. So I rewatched it tonight and I'm going to do a review. You watched it without me? Well, it's all a long time ago. So? It actually has, um... <laughs> you broke my heart right there, dude. I'm it's, gonna punch you. It's actually really graphic and gory, and I forgot how graphic. Especially since they've announced they are doing a third one that will be released soon. So there'll be more content for the Chucky's Funhouse channel, which is connected to this podcast. I might be on it, might not. Who knows? And on our fa- on Facebook, we have made a Facebook group. Look for Splattercast on Facebook, and there is now a Facebook group that is live and is on there as well. So we will talk to you guys next week. It is a happy Friday the 13th tomorrow, and for anybody that wants to, AMC is doing an all-day marathon starting tomorrow, I believe, at 8 a.m., and they'll be playing every Jason movie. We'll be on TV tomorrow on AMC, and it's also a full moon. I dropped the mic. It is going to be a I was raising my hand trying to get in there to say it's a full moon Friday the 13th. All the crazies are going to be out there, so be careful because Jason's coming. But no, you had to... Hey, if he came to this house, at least he has a spare mask. Because I got two. (laughs) I think he would let us live with all the like these are my people and i got a machete up there for him too <laughs> a machete a mask we got oil paintings we got it all we crazy <laughs> i represent jason jason <laughs> you my peoples <laughs> all right so we Say will love y'all we'll talk to you next week bye